coming in as a young Black woman, trying to prove yourself was definitely hard and took a lot on me uh, mentally. I think of like a 19, 20 year old just trying to make it, just trying to gain experience, just trying to, you know, find my place in the world and trying to fight harder than the people standing beside me because they don't look like me was definitely difficult. A lot of turmoil, a lot of tears, but you get to a point where you realize that, okay, if this is how you see me. That's fine. I can't change your views, but just wait. Just wait. You found Wolfpack Career Chats, and this is Marcy Bullock from the Career Development Center at North Carolina State University. I'm the creator of the podcast. Welcome to season four. This season will focus on versions of you, who you were, who you are, and who you will be, and we'll have exciting guests explore their journey. We're all still cooking, friends, so no one put a fork in us yet. Enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Wolfpack Career Chats. My name is Hayden Kamak, and today we have Brandy Cordell to talk to us about what it's like to be a woman in the workforce. I'm currently a junior at NC State majoring animal science with a minor in genetics. My goal after graduation is to go to graduate school to get a master's in animal science and do something with animal genetics. Speaking with us today is Brandy Cordell. She has previously worked in preclinical animal research and is now currently a vet student. So tell us a little about your background and how you got to where you are today. All right. So I went to NC State in undergrad. I majored in animal science with a double minor in genetics and nutrition. That was in 2017. Vet school was always the goal. It's something I always wanted to do. And I actually applied the year I was graduating. Didn't quite work out. So going into the workforce, I was like, what do I want to do? I knew vet school being in school, I had to do something that, of course, was going to set me apart. My grades were good. Vet school is very competitive, as everyone knows. They want the 4.0s and didn't quite have that. So I did research in undergrad. I did a lot of different animal experiences in undergrad, trying to figure out kind of what animals I did want to work with, which ones I didn't, and then try to get those experiences that kind of set me apart. So that's kind of what I continued to do when I graduated. So I was working at a small animal hospital at that time and learned what I could there. And then at that point, just decided to do something different, which is what landed me in preclinical research with chickens. I did that about a year and a half, which I left not too long ago. When I was applying to that school and figured, let's see what happens. And lo and behold, I got accepted. So I started school in August. So. Mm-hmm. so what exactly did that research entail? Like, what was your day-to-day life? So that research, I was working kind of as a contractor for one of the major pharmaceutical companies. And a lot of that was kind of seeing the research through and through. So we would receive the chickens, whether we'd see them as eggs, incubate them, vaccinate them. It was a lot of comparative research a lot of times. So seeing what vaccines work better with different diseases that are found within the poultry industry. So it was either receiving them, incubating them, and then kind of pre vaccinating them in Nova, which is, of course, in the egg, and then hatching them out. And then once termination came, it's saying exactly the disease effects, because we'd always inoculate them with the disease in a comparison to the vaccine. And then at the end of termination, it's saying exactly which vaccine worked better. And then that would be contributed and then presented to different pharmaceutical companies. And I left there in March of 2020, where I actually started working in ophthalmology research as well as still preclinical. Instead of chickens, it was your dogs, your rabbits, mice, rats, and that kind of thing. And that was the same thing, just getting these drugs and seeing exactly how well they work before they go off into human research. And do you think that research helped you 
get into vet school the second time? I definitely think, at least for me, I felt like it did. Of course, vet school is, like I said, very good. There's a number of things that factor into it. Um, So I definitely think it it was something different. It was something I had never done. Personally, I know it's not, of course, poultry industry is huge, but local preclinical research is not that big. Definitely a small compartment. So I do think it, it gave me an edge. And do you think while you were doing the research, did you ever feel like, oh, maybe this is what I want to do instead of being a vet? I don't think so. Just vet school has been the plan for so long. And mm-hmm. there is, of course, the back thought of if I don't get in, what's next? So it was definitely something that, you know, if it hadn't worked out, I definitely would have still been comfortable doing. I like preclinical research. It's definitely the finding out what's new and knowing, you know, when something hits the market that you had a hand in contributing to making the world a better place or, you know, improving pharmaceutical so it's definitely a interesting place to be. It sounds cool. <laughs> so we'll talk a little bit more about how it's been like for you as a woman in STEM because mm-hmm. I know it's a lot different. So just how has it been for you so far? Have you had any discrimination? I think there is definitely not really outward discrimination, but you definitely get that that pause, that look that hmm and that's something I've learned you're gonna have to deal with everywhere no matter what place you're in no matter what position you take and it's it's difficult unfortunately it's something you learn to kind of live with and work around because Mm -hmm. you can only control your actions and how you deal with things and a lot of times those interactions being me being the major component so it's not how you know I receive something is how I react. So being able to, you know, take that and turn it around and say, okay, well, if you don't expect me to be here, I'm, I'm going to get comfortable and I'm going to stay a while. And that's not always easy, of course, but it's taking the high road and, and paving the way for people who don't look like me or women who, you know, or men that feel like you're not supposed to be here. It's making that way for the next generation to be like, okay, there is a place for me. And do you feel like you've always been able to do that or has it gotten better over the years? It definitely has not always been that easy. During undergrad, I was working at a place where it was, of course, even in STEM general, of course, it's predominantly used to be older white men. So coming in as a young black woman, trying to prove yourself was definitely hard and took a lot on me uh, mentally. I think of like a 19, 20 year old just trying to make it, just trying to gain experience, just trying to, you know, find my place in the world and trying to fight harder than the people standing beside me because they don't look like me was definitely difficult. A lot of turmoil, a lot of tears, but you get to a point where you realize that, okay, if this is how you see me, that's fine. I can't change your views, but just wait, just wait. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to make something of myself, whether you believe into me or not. So yes, definitely. And growing up, did you Mm -hmm. have a woman in STEM that you looked up to or did it not hit until like college? I remember I did my high school graduation project. I'm from Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, and I did my graduation project at a local small animal hospital. And that was the first time I had seen a Black female veterinarian. And she wasn't really a mentor, but it was something different. I mean, don't get me wrong. I knew I always wanted to be a veterinarian, but I'd never seen it. And it was almost like an anomaly. Like, you know, they exist, but you never seen one. And I was like, but this isn't right. Something about this mm-hmm. isn't right. There's, there shouldn't be, you know, this first experience where I'm like, huh. So never really had a mentor, but I definitely knew there wasn't one really I had seen. And especially after that, moving on that looked like me. So let's see if we can change that. 
So how have you implemented a personal life and a work life like difference? How have you been able to separate it? Well, <laughs> I used to be able to separate it. Now. Um, you hear the phrase, when you love what you do, it's really not work. And for the mm-hmm. most part, that's true. I definitely, now being in school, school takes up most of my life in school and out of school, on fall break right now and still oh. doing homework. Um, <laughs> So, but I think it's good to be able to step away and recharge. So even if, if I'm done with the big exam and I'm like, you know what, my book bag, my homework, it does not exist for the rest of the day. I will get back to it tomorrow. Just taking that time to, to recharge because veterinary medicine, animal science, it's a lot. The profession is a lot. What you try to do is a lot. What you, you know, sometimes you can take home is a lot. So definitely having that separation where you say, this is me. This is not me, the animal scientist or me, the vet student. This is just what Brandy likes to do. And I I keep a Sudoku book around. I'll catch Mm -hmm. a movie or something, something that gives me a mental break. And I think that's good to incorporate. I'll do, I do kickboxing. So like some days I just have a hard day and I'm like, I just need to hit something go to kickboxing and and that helps yeah and I was like why are they making us do gym classes during our undergrad like we do not have time for that but I actually like taking those Mm -hmm. classes because I don't have to concentrate as hard yeah so yeah you do have to figure out how to get time for yourself and it can be really hard because your brain is always like I gotta do this I gotta do Mm -hmm. this like I wake up and my brain's like all right you have this do this I'm like take a minute think about Making a list helps because you mm-hmm. make sure you got everything done, but then you get overwhelmed because it's so long. Absolutely. <laughs> do you have any advice for women entering STEM or just anyone wanting to do research as a career? I would say something I learned along the way. I feel like you've gotten this from the older generation. You know, you meet people that have worked in positions for 30 years and try to, you know, take it on as much as they can and feel like, you know, you're going to make a difference. And that may be true, but once you're at it, and I feel like this is something I learned is once you're at an opportunity or you're working a job and you're not feel like it's adding value to you anymore, like you're not getting anything out of it. You get to the point where you're dreading this or you're like, maybe this isn't for me. Find you something else. And I think that that's hard to kind of sit with at first because you're like, well, you know, this could happen. And this and that very well may be true. But once you get a point where it starts affecting you mentally and you're not happy what you're doing, you're not going to put your all into it and you're going to dread what you're doing. And there very well could be somewhere else that, you know, you could be getting the same experience and feel like you're adding value or feel like it's adding value to you because there are plenty of opportunities out there and where you may be at that moment might not be the best one. So find some something different because if you truly love what you do don't let somebody else make it miserable to the point you don't love it anymore so yeah and I grew up listening to that from my parents they're like make sure you do something you want to do for your career I hate going to work every day I dread waking up I'm like I don't want to do that I want to love going to work even and if I, you don't make as much money. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's why I chose the name medicine out for, of course, originally I chose it because I love animals, but growing mm-hmm. up, there's so much diversity that you can do within animal science, within veterinary medicine that, you know, if I work with horses today and I'm like, you know what? I don't want to do this more. I can go work cows tomorrow and mm-hmm. having that diversity to do whatever I want and still bring home the joy that I get to work with animals and I get to make animals better. So keeping that at your core, very important to me, I'm sure, you know, to you and everyone else. So being able to do what you love without all the extra 
is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I came into undergrad thinking, oh, I want to be a vet. And then I got here and I was like, I don't think that's for me. So I just switched to the science concentration. So, yeah. and, and I do think perfect. the introduction to animal science class, it lets you see all the animals. So you get to see what you like mm-hmm. and so you can go further into what you like, whether than something you don't. And that's wonderful that you figure out early on that, you mm-hmm. know, maybe this isn't for me and that is perfectly fine because it's hard. And when you find something, you're like, you know what? Nah, and that's okay to figure that out early on and pursue what you really want to pursue. And so talking about not getting into vet school the first <laughs> time, how did you deal with that rejection? Like what made you want to reply again? Because I know some people apply one time and they're like, I can't get in. So I've known people that apply once, get in and be done. I've known people that apply for years on end and that is expensive. I think the first application now is maybe $200. Oh, I didn't think I applied. I didn't realize you had to pay for that. Oh, yeah. So you pay per (laughs) application, you pay per supplemental, gets very expensive. But I think the reason I applied this year is because, well, I'll go back to the first question. When I first got in, I. It was almost like an end-all be-all. Like, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't Mm -hmm. have a backup plan. And I just kind of had to sit with it for a while. And I realized even if I didn't get into vet school, my passion still lied within animals and working with them in some aspect. So it was, okay, well, let's re let's replan this and let's revamp and see, you know, what, what's the next step? Because if this is truly what I want to do, then I'm not going to give up on it. But that being said, I didn't reapply until four years later, I think. And that was because I had taken the GRE and it expires every five years. And I'm like, I am not taking that test again. <laughs> State doesn't even take it, but I applied to a few different other schools that do. And I was like, that I'm not taking that beast of an exam again. Absolutely yeah. not. So this is it. <laughs> but even then, you know, there are people who reapply and reapply and that wasn't quite what I wanted to do, but I knew I didn't want to reapply until I had something different to offer. So I was actually in the process of reapplying. I was actually listening to a master's program in public health because I'd what I want to kind of pursue is food, animal, and public health medicine. So I was thinking if I'm going to reapply and when I do, I need something different to offer and something to set me apart in order to give myself a chance. And so that's what I did when I went into the research and got all these different experiences to set myself up, hopefully, to be accepted. So do the difference between four years, did you like forget everything you learned in undergrad? Um, <laughs> so kind of, sort of. I forgot how to study. I forgot how to take an exam. I took my first anatomy practical and it reminded me so much of undergrad anatomy practice, which I completely forgot how much of a beast they were until I walked mm-hmm. in the exam and I was like, oh my God, what have I gotten myself into? But a lot of the things that I pick up on it actually came from experience. So I used to work in a small animal hospital for research and you know, you hear these different things and you're listening for heart murmurs and you're doing vaccines and then you get to those components of what is actually happening and you're like, huh, like okay, two and two does make four. So that experience really helped me, I think, make it a little bit easier for me. Um, It's definitely still hard, a lot of information, but definitely getting that outside experiences and being able to tie that in, I think it's helped me so far. So is this your first year as a vet student? Mm -hmm. So it's like a lot at one time. It's stressful. Yeah, it is, but (laughs) it's fun. (laughs) I bet. So 
Are classes hands-on or is it lecture style? It's a little bit of both. We have mostly lecture style kind of most of the day. We have a few core classes, so like your anatomy, then physiology and things of that sort. You also have like hands-on experience, which is called, we call them TAU, so you're teaching animal units where you go out and you physically handle your poultry or your berry cows. And they're not really hard classes. They're definitely like, I know you had a hard week, come play with a cow. So that helps where you're also learning this different handling techniques or things that can be helpful along the way. So a little bit of both. You also have an anatomy lab, which you're doing dissections and you're learning exactly what's what. So, and of course, as you progress, we will be doing, you know, a lot live animal things of sorts. So a little bit of both. And do you have to decide whether you want to do large animal, small animal exotic? So you decide that at the end of your second year. Oh, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if you had to go into it saying, oh, I just want to do large animals. You apply with an idea. So you can say, what are you interested in, kind of, and you pick one. So like, for instance, I applied and said I wanted to do food animal, which is still something that I want to do. But they tell you don't close yourself off to one thing because that can very well change. And I've learned more in the last few weeks what I don't want to do than probably what I do want to do. So, but all those opportunities are there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what are your plans for the future after vet school? Do you want to do more school or do you want to get right into the field? So I told myself I didn't want to do any more school, but that is slowly becoming, uh, maybe I should do this. I want to do more of your kind of production line and your processing unit, trying to kind of regulate what happens in there. I've been exposed in one of the classes that vet school has is a career in veterinary medicine where you have different veterinarians within fields that come in and you're like, so for instance, I'm considering getting my master's in public health. So when you talk to a lot of people and you're like, eh, yeah, it helps or eh, you don't have to yeah. have it. So it's kind of hit or miss there. They tell you, you know, you whenever you graduate, you are a veterinarian, you can do whatever a veterinarian can do. You know, you don't mm-hmm. have to just because you picked one focus doesn't mean you can't because you learn it all. So I'm at the moment thinking about just going into the field and seeing what I can do there, but I probably will go back to school at some point. <laughs> <laughs> so with the master's in public health, would that be mm-hmm. after vet school? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Okay. Do you have a dual degree thing, but um, that was like six years at one time and you flip back and forth and that just wasn't for me. I think that's all the time we have today. Thanks for speaking with us today. Did you have any last minute feedback or advice? Whatever you do, follow your heart.